well done. And you didn't even have musical notes. You may be seated. You're welcome. Thank you very much. That hymn was written by a man named George Matheson. He was a Scottish preacher. <coughs> he died in 1902. He was 64 years old. At the age of 18, he began to go blind. By the time he was 20, he was fully blind. And uh, his childhood sweetheart, his fiancée, uh, left him. She said, uh, I don't want to be married to a blind man. And uh, he was brokenhearted about that. And shortly afterwards, his sister was married. And, of course, he was invited to attend the wedding. And he declined uh, because he didn't want to go through that whole experience with the heartbreak over his own experience. And while he was at home, he said that hymn came to him complete. And he just scribbled it down, found a friend to put it to music. And I think it's one of the most beautiful songs ever written. Oh, love that will not let me go. It's a fitting psalm for tonight. We're talking about the contemplation of God, which is also fitting for the Christmas season, God and his gifts. Uh, you should have notes. Uh, I'm going to be quoting a lot of scripture tonight, and uh, I thought I'd give you all the scripture references so that you can go home and look them up for yourself. In relation to the immensity of God, the little we think we know is as nothing. There are many functions for a human being and many of worth, but there is one that is the highest, and that is the contemplation of God. There is nothing higher, no, no more noble calling for a human being. Before we go any further, let's pray and ask God's blessing on this word. Father, I do pray that <coughs> you bless the word as it goes forth tonight. Keep me in your, the center of your hand, Lord. Keep me close to thee. Let your presence fill this place as we glorify and exalt your holy name. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, we'll begin by talking about finding God. The contemplation of God begins when we set out to find God. Uh, now, when we think about God, our creator, we're faced by the idea of the immensity of God. We look up because it seems he's up there somewhere or he's out there somewhere uh, beyond the Milky Way, our dazzling neighborhood of stars. We feel very small when we measure ourselves against the little of God's universe that we can see. It's intimidating to picture what might happen to us when we finite specks graduate to God's infinity. Will we be lost there or obliterated? We could surely drown and disappear in one drop of God's love or of his wrath. Then we discover the glorious truth of the gospel. God is not up there or out there. God is here. The spirit of his son, if you're a child of God, the spirit of his son dwells with you. When we submit to him, his spirit comes to re reside in us. The psalmist asked a question which the apostle answered. When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars that thou hast ordained, what is man 
that thou art mindful of him. And the apostle answered in Colossians, the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's the answer to the question of God. What will God do with us? How can we know him? How can we understand him? God comes to us. In his letter to the Romans, the apostle Paul quotes Moses to remind us that we do not speculate like the heathen do about ascending into heaven to bring Christ down to us or ascending into hell to bring Christ up to us. But he is as close to us as our mouth. He is as close to us as the words that we speak. So having found God, having sought him and found God, we discover that we are freed by God. When we unite with him in salvation, we are set free from ignorance about God and the doom of sin and the limitations of our earthly life to a realm of infinite potential. Jesus said this, recorded in John chapter 8, "'If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed.'" And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. Hallelujah. No matter how many wrong choices we make, confession and repentance loosens the bonds of sin and frees us to make right choices as we continue in God's word. Our sin and our mistakes are washed away as if they never were. Every right choice that follows brings us closer to God. Building one right choice upon another, that's an amazing thought if you meditate on that. Every wrong thing you ever do because you're a child of God disappears. And every right thing you ever do, no matter how small it is, counts to your credit for eternity. The more we turn towards God, the more he shapes our trajectory towards him. The more we draw close to God, and the more frequent our contacts, the stronger his hold on us becomes. Our carnal minds see being tied up as losing our freedom and gaining our freedom by escape. But in salvation, the effect is the opposite. When we are free to sin, it destroys us. When we are bound to God, it liberates us into our full human potential. Salvation binds us in the bundle of God's life, as if caught in a spider's web, where each strand brings life to us. By our will... We may still make wrong choices and slow the process of change in us, but we cannot leave the web and we cannot change our destiny. If you are a child of God, you have a destiny and nothing on this earth is going to keep you from it. Whether you like it or not, you are going to heaven one day. Hallelujah. The longer we walk with God in the later stages of life, we may make fewer wrong choices and end up very close to enjoying God's perfect will for us, a place that is reached sooner if we are diligent in the early stages of our spiritual walk, that, that fraught part of our life 
in Christ, when we are young baby Christians and we make the dumbest mistakes imaginable. And uh, it's a a terribly depressing thought until we realize that most other Christians do the same thing. We are really like those babies in the nursery, in the early stage of our spiritual walk. But despite that, we can grow spiritually very quickly if we're diligent at that time. But whether we come to spiritual maturity early or late, it's the same arrival. We arrive at the same place eventually where we are free to continuously worship God in spirit and in truth. That is our calling, to exalt him, to glorify him. So let's look next at being formed by God. The incredible journey from where we are to where we will be begins when we are born again. Everything changes in that instant. Our past, our present, and our future in ways we cannot imagine. As God's children, we do not vanish in him. We grow in him. The glorious assurance we have from his word is that we are not diluted. We do not drown in his immensity, becoming even less than we are now. On the contrary, we grow and expand as we are transformed by God into something new and infinitely better. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul said this, Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Our extraordinary relationship takes us through a doorway to something vast and never-ending, penetrating every corner of our existence. Do you realize the jealous God who is our Father is determined that the day will come where he penetrates to the most infinite part of your existence. He'll get to every part of you and transform it. If you're backslidden, that's a scary thought. If you're walking with God, it's a wonderful thought. Um, He will change us to a degree that we cannot fully comprehend until we enter heaven and stand on the threshold of the infinite. Now, it doesn't matter if we hardly understood what we were doing at the moment of our salvation, except that we wanted Jesus in our life. God instantly responds to our plea because he's been waiting to respond, to mold us and carry us into our eternal future, fitting us into his preordained plan. From that moment on, every time we reach out to touch God or allow him to touch us, we are eternally changed, forever When God plants something good in us, when he touches something in us and transforms it into something of his, that stays with us for the rest of eternity. It's never lost. Every thought we think about God, every prayer we pray, every answer to prayer, every verse of scripture we read, every time we go to church, every hymn we sing, every sermon we hear, every communion service, whatever that positive contact point transforms us forever. We all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory. 2 Corinthians 3.18. What a statement that is, and it's true. The benefits are incalculable if we become intentional about our relationship with God and spend a lot more time in his presence allowing his life to grow in us. And part of our difficulty in comprehending the benefits of drawing close to God 
is that they are so much beyond our ability to imagine and so, sadly, we usually settle for lesser things. If we could but imagine or get a revelation of what God wants to do with us, what he's holding in his hand ready to give to us, we'd spend a lot more time with him and hold a lot tighter to his garments. The antidote to failure is to constantly rehearse God's benefits, making the most of times when we draw close to him and avoiding the dead-end streets where our will takes us to places that are just not worth going to. My soul, the psalmist said, shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips when I remember thee upon my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches. That's what God wants us to do. That's how he'd like us to spend our time just thinking about him, meditating on him, letting our imagination run as we try and imagine what would it be like to truly be filled by God and walk with him. What would my life be like? What would it like be like if I stood on that mountaintop with Jesus and watched him transformed in front of my face? What would happen to me? What does God have in store for me in heaven one day? Those are delightful thoughts that lift us up closer to him and ultimately resulting us being filled by God. Living in the light of God, even though we don't fully appreciate God, will improve and enable life at whatever level we live it. Holding God's good and truth and beauty before us, to appreciate his beauty and to develop wisdom, which is the accumulation of knowledge of God, will expand our awareness of him not just as one who gives purpose and direction to our life, but one who is our life. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, Paul declared. As we begin to understand this, holding our soul at attention, focused on God, yielded to God, we will be less and less in the way. We begin to see the things of God as they contrast with the ugliness and the defects in our world, the shallowness of the world we live in, and our own personal shallowness. These moments of recognition motivate us to choose the beautiful that is God and to live in harmony with him. If we spend time each day in the presence of God to imagine him and his goodness and glory, if we read his word, not as a duty or a discipline, but as a delight, if we commune with him, we will come to know more and more who we are, who he is, and what life is all about. And then we begin to think less of this world. As we walk with God and talk to him and listen for his voice in return, we build our friendship with God and are filled by God. Then we begin to see the many wonderful ways in which God favors us. Here are 12 things to meditate on at Christmas time: gifts under the tree of life. 
You know the song of the 12 gifts of Christmas? The partridge and the pear tree. These gifts are way better than those. We begin with God, our creator. Our creator first made the universe perfect and glorious. Then he made our world and pronounced it good. Then he made us and said, very good. And then he invited us to be his friends. Hallelujah. We could stop right there and have a revival. But then he recreated us. God, our recreator, he gave himself to us, asking only that we would give ourselves to him. And when that wasn't enough, he gave himself for us. The measure of this gift above all gifts will stand as a monument throughout all eternity to the greatness and goodness and glory of our creator. After Adam rejected him, God recreated those of us who returned to him. 2 Corinthians 5.17, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature or a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are become new. God literally recreates us who are his children. And then he becomes God with us. Two words mark the turning point for all mankind for all time. Emmanuel, a title meaning God with us, and Jesus meaning God, our Savior. It's difficult for those not raised in a Christian tradition to fully appreciate the name Emmanuel. In America, even those who reject Christ are aware at some level that God came to be with us as a man, Jesus, especially at Christmas time. But for millions of people across the globe, the idea of Emmanuel is impossible. Their gods appear in many forms, mostly frightening. They are unknowable and unapproachable, distant and disinterested or distant and demanding, not the sort of God you want near you. For those living in the shadow of darkness, Religion is a burden of constant striving to keep their far-off gods happy, and the last thing they can imagine is God with us. Emmanuel establishes an entirely new and original thought. Before we can be with God, he must be with us, is the message of Scripture. Emmanuel declares that nothing in our power will bring us near to God we simply receive him when he comes to us. God with us is the heart of Christianity and the heartbeat of Christmas. That's what Christmas is all about, God with us. And then we discover another wonderful gift of God. He hears us and he sees us. Because we are God's special creation, he's very attentive to us. Psalm 4 and verse 3, the Lord will hear when I call unto him. And in Genesis 16, 13, thou God seest me, spoken by a slave woman, rejected, abandoned to the desert with her son in desperation. God spoke to her. God rescued her. And she declared in wonder, thou God seest me. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and opened under the eyes of him with whom we have to do. 
Hebrews 4.13. And all it takes, incredibly, all it takes is for us to call on him, to cry out to him, to plead with him. I just want to be with you. I just want to spend time with you. I, want to, I, I need a touch from you. To humble ourselves before him and to raise our hearts to him is all God desires of us. He is our provider, number five. Hebrews 13, 20 and 21. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. God, our provider. And then God, our Savior. 1 John, uh, Hosea 13 and verse 4, I am the Lord thy God from the land of Egypt, and thou shalt know no God but me, for there is no Savior beside me. That's a pretty emphatic declaration. And 1 John 4.14, we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. What a testimony. And because he's our Savior, he's also our protector. Deuteronomy 31.6, be strong and of a good courage. Fear not, nor be afraid of them, the enemies of God. For the Lord thy God, he it is that doth go before thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. That is a promise you can bank on. If you are walking with God, he will never fail you nor forsake you. And then he's also our strength and our sustainer. Isaiah tells us that. He gives power to the faint and to them that have no mighty increase of strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary. And the young men shall utterly fail, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. Mm. What a God. Number nine, God our friend. Henceforth, says Jesus, I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth, but I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. Jesus Christ, God in human flesh, made a point of telling his disciples, I've called you to be my friends. This is the God who spoke the universe into existence, the God of whom 1 John says, without him was not anything made that was made. That God says, I've called you to be my friend, do you want to be my friend? And so often we say no, or I'll get back to you on that. I'm a little busy right now. Number 10, God, our glory. The glory which thou gavest me, I have given them. There's another incredible statement, unbelievable statement that Jesus makes about us. It's, it's un, literally unbelievable that the creator of the universe in conversation with his heavenly father, speaking of you and me, says, the glory which thou gavest me, 
I have given them. What a gift. Take an hour or two just to think on that one thing. Go home tonight. Wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning when it's dark and quiet. And think on that one thing. And then God, our unifier, number 11. In them, I in them, and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one. Look around you tonight. Everybody in this room is your brother or your sister. And God wants, above all else, that we should be one and love each other with true love and respect each other and care for each other and be kind to one another and reach out to one another. I in them and thou in me that they may be made perfect in one. And then number 12, God, our Father. I'd like us to read this together. We don't often read this prayer together. Let's close by reading together that well-known prayer of Jesus. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. O oh God, please make us conscious of the riches of the glory